it's time for Aces here on KZSM, San Marcos, Texas. And uh, Kathy Laura is here in the studio. We're going to be talking St. John's Catholic Church, the Fiesta Queen coronation. And uh, so let's bring that on down. And Kathy, you want to tell everybody about your guests that we've got here in the studio today? Well, hello, Rob. And we'd like to welcome uh, Krista Salas Flores who is here to talk to us a little bit about her, her Lucio family history. And, and then of course, we're also gonna talk about the Fiesta Queens at St. John's and um, the honor that her family has when it comes to Fiesta Queens. So welcome, Krista. Thank you, thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I was born and raised here in San Marcos, Texas. Um, I am the child, the youngest child actually, of Celestino and Martha Salas. Married to Genaro Flores, mother of four kids. I have Alex, Jenica, Yesenia, and Patricio. Um, I work at Texas State. I've been working there, fixing to hit my 25-year mark in February. Whoa. So long years of service there for myself. Um, I love cooking. Um, what brings joy to me is just, you know, cooking for my family. Um, the secret ingredient is always love. So I always tell them that. So. And of course, they have to tell me that my food is actually good. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm ready to be a grandmother. As my kids tell me that it's not happening anytime soon, but so many of my friends are being grandparents. And so my husband and I are ready for the next stage. Um, but my kids say we're not there yet. Um, I'm um, a real big advocate on education. I love learning. Um, I'm really big on hearing about women uh, furthering their education so um, that's a joy that I bring on stories that I hear uh, about especially Hispanic women um, I always encourage my my three daughters to further their education um, and recently I just had a grad uh, Jenica she got her master so we're real proud of her uh, she's inspired me to keep moving forward, right? I speak on education, but I only got my bachelor's. But um, next week, Monday, I'll be starting on my master's. Mm -hmm. um, so um, who knows? Maybe from there I'll get a doctorate, but it's only in God's hands. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so that, uh, your daughters are probably like, Mom, uh, show us, don't tell us. Yes, <laughs> show us, don't tell us. <laughs> So I have a little bit of uh, nostalgia because I'm going to make a little disclosure. Krista grew up across the street yes, from me. Yes. And so um, I used to see her and her sister when they were little. So I was probably <laughs> like a, a, a teenager, maybe 17, 18 when they were little girls. Uh -huh. And they would come over to the house. And so I'm so happy to have her here because, you know, she's grown up to be just mm -hmm. an exemplary young lady, both her and her sister. So I'm happy to have her and here. And she's talking about grandkids now. Yeah. I'm talking know? about grandkids, but I'm, like they uh, they tell me, it's not happening, Mother. Just mm -hmm. get over it. <laughs> Wait, well, welcome to the club because here I am. No grandkids either. So um, I uh, wanted to mention um, your grandfather, Mr. Jesse Gomez who is a, a business owner here in, in our downtown area. But we're going to have you on the show with your Uncle Gilbert, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And y'all are going to come and talk to us about his civic, uh, the work that he did civically and uh, his business over yes. at Royal Cleaners. Uh -huh. How he started that business, mm -hmm. how he came to the States and so forth. But right now we are going to talk about your grandmother, Martina Lucio Gomez, and her Lucio family. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about your grandmother's uh, parents. Okay, so her parents were, uh, they were Jose B. 
uh, Lucio and Luz, Lucio, uh, Luz, her maiden name was Garcia. Um, they would have been considered my great-grandparents. Um, Jose was born here in San Marcos, Texas, uh, but Luz was actually born in Mexico, and she was from San uh, Luis Potosí, Mexico. So in the state of San Luis? Uh-huh. Okay. And um, so we're not sure of when she traveled over. Um, you know, I talked to several of my aunts, um, and back then it wasn't mentioned. You know, they were um, real, they grew up um, off of, um, well, what's Hunter Road, mm -hmm. right in that area. Um, but they know that their parents married and raised them the best that they could of their ability. So um, I'm not sure on the year of when she came, but that's where she was from. So um, I uh, looked at the census, and the 1920 census showed your grandfather uh, being in the precinct one area. So they were already in the Westover area. Mm -hmm. So we know they were there by 1920. How, how early they got there, I don't know. But he was born here, so yes, there's a possibility mm -hmm. that his family lived in the area prior prior to that. And um, your your his his wife was 18 years old, and they had no children at that time. At that time. And so just to kind of give a little bit of uh, an idea as to where this area is, it's where the VFW is. And so uh, on one side of the VFW, there's a row of houses. And so that's the area that belonged to her Lucio family. And it goes way back in there. People don't realize uh, into the creek bed and the old area in yeah. there. And that is just down from there is where the original road went through for many years. Mm -hmm. You know, there's you can go back in there and find some old wagon ruts. And, you know, it's just it's a neat little area there up behind the VFW that people just they speed on by. And, you know, you've got the new road that's been created now, yeah. you know, along there. Uh, so do you have any idea how many acres they had then? That I don't know. I know that they had that piece there. Um, he also owned on the other side of VFW, which is where Pastor Montoya has his property now, where the car wash, like back in that area. Um, he his, his brother had land across, mm -hmm. right? right um, it's the... So where Monica lives? Yes, okay. right in there. So off a of, off of Hoffine Street, yeah. there's a house that sits if you're standing in front the of the... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, right the in that area. It used to be green at one time. Yes, it yeah. was, and I believe it's white now. It's right? a, and mm -hmm. so Monica lived in that house. Carlota lived there too, mm -hmm. and they had a brother that lived there yes, as well. Yes, they all grew up in that house. Um, so, and I remember as a little girl, my uncle, um, we called him Joe, but he was Jose Jr., lived on the very far end of the property. And when we would go back there, he had little trenches where we would uh, do like go-karts and dirt bikes and so forth. Uh, we would walk it and we would actually walk into what we call the pasta, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a pasture. Yeah. But um, I mean, the, the land would go so far back. Well, and I always, the neat thing that people don't realize, too, is uh, back there behind the car wash, the, you know, in the, the pasture area back in there, yeah. there is this huge tree that is back there for pecans. Yeah. And it is just like, and there's, there was, for the longest time, there was this little... Uh, um, uh, picnic table underneath and uh, I just it always amazed me that how long has this tree been here people been enjoying this you know and it's just it, it, this is the history mm -hmm. that people don't realize of the neighborhoods here in San Marcos so that land included so if you leave Jacks it includes the area where the car wash was where the empty lot is where the VFW was yeah 
the and then v- that empty it wasn't the VFW uh, area, but it was behind. Behind the VFW. Yeah. Behind, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. going back up in there. Well, that they they amassed a lot of property uh, for the time. Yes. So yeah. So I think. Um, and I remember. Um, well, I I didn't see it, but my mother would always tell me that. Um, Abbas, what they called him, um, he had a um, fireworks stand that he would have on the corner and sell fireworks back in the day. Oh, and that was right at the beginning of the street that he would oh. sell those fireworks. So. so is that where Nini lives now? Yes, that's okay. where she's at right now. So, so we're talking about where Pat's living, Pat Cole, mm-hmm. in that house where Pat mm-hmm. Cole lives. Right up at the front, mm-hmm. you know, right there on, it's now Hunter Road. Well, it's Hunter Road, Hopkins. Hopkins, said, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of that gray area uh-huh. right in there, I know. Well, at one time where San Antonio Street and Hopkins Street intersect and make that Y, that's where Hunter Road started and Hunter Road went out, but now they've right. moved it up to the intersection. Yeah, it's a, yeah. <laughs> that, that's why the, the Jacks now, it used to be called the Deer Hunter mm-hmm. at one time. So, yeah, that's crazy, right? <laughs> so you mentioned, too, that they also own... Did y'all have a family cemetery? Yes, so we do. Um, uh, my Jose and his uh, brothers, um, or his siblings, I should say, they purchased land um, out on Post Road, which is what we call the Guadalupe Cemetery. And um, that was intended to bury family members um, so they would be all in one location. Now, um, some family members decided that they wanted to be buried elsewhere, which is fine, you know, so they went on and they, um, they, you know, were buried at other places here um, and around. But a lot of the family that, like Jose and Luz, um, some of my grandmother's brothers, um, they are buried on Guadalupe Chapel, I mean, Guadalupe Cemetery, um, and I... Benita, my aunt Benita Garza, she would run it, and um, when she became um, elder, I took it over. So now I try to manage it, I should say. <laughs> so that's the cemetery that's on the left-hand side yes, if you're going uh-huh. to come. So my Uncle Paul's buried there, and yeah. his wife doing it. Wow, uh-huh. that's yeah. that's and, yeah. and my friend Trini Soto is uh, buried there. Yeah. I know I, I stopped by yesterday, actually. I was really? coming back into town. And just for, don't know why, I yeah. just stopped by and visited well, her grave over there. And there, there is and a lot of other family members there, like you mentioned, um, because what they did is they opened it up for anybody mm-hmm. that didn't have funds to bury their loved ones, right? Yeah. So that was, th- that's how it grew to other families um, joining. And now um, we, you know, we work with other families so their loved ones can be buried there, so. And it, that is neat. Yeah, it's a, uh, uh, well, I ended up uh, coming back from the Kyle flea market yesterday and the uh, uh, I-35 was all shut down. Yeah, and so, so it was like I took the back way, and it's like, well, you know, I'm gonna just stomp by it. It just out of the blue, and here we are talking about. Yeah. It. I was like, oh, that's why I stopped. I know yeah. it. Uh, so hey, we're gonna take quick uh, station ID break here. This is KCSM.org, True Community Radio. You're listening to Riasis, and uh, we've got uh, Kathy and Krista here, and we are talking the stories. And uh, we're going to come on back here in just a minute. KZSM.org, True Community Radio. And uh, let's see here. There we go. Um, I'm sorry, and I spoke too fast, and we're going to have you. Uh, here we go. Coming soon? That's right. The event takes place Saturday, September 10th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Hayes CISD Performing Arts Center here in Kyle. What is an emergency preparedness fair, you may ask? 
Good question, and I'm glad you did. The theme this year is going to be Ready, Prep, Go. It's a call to be ready for any emergency that comes your way through being prepared. Attendees can take useful classes, learn how to make a preparedness kit, and hear from experts about how to be ready to face any emergency, such as floods, freezes, tornadoes, hurricanes, and fires. Just in the past three or four years, Hayes County has experienced flooding, a devastating freeze, and wildfires exacerbated by extreme drought. So on Saturday, September 10th at 10 o'clock at the Hayes CISD Performing Arts Center in Kyle, I'm going to see you there. So together we can figure out what to do when living in Texas gets real. ¿Recuerdas la última vez que tu familia visitó el bosque? Es un lugar de maravilla e imaginación para toda la familia. Donde las historias cobran vida y está más cerca de lo que crees. ¿Listo para planear tu próxima visita? Haz que el bosque forme parte de tu historia hoy en un parque local cerca de ti. O encuentra uno en descubreelbosque.org, traído a ti por el Servicio Forestal de los Estados Unidos y el Ad Council. And I'm back with you here. And uh, yeah, the STEM, we were just talking about that. Uh, it was that last little PSA that I picked up this week. Uh, for young women getting into uh, uh, the STEM programs. And uh, so we had talked a little bit earlier about that. But uh, let's uh, turn this one back over to Kathy here and uh, Riasis. And uh, uh, there we go. Got your mics back up. Okay, so the 1940s census has your grandfather at 42 years old and your grandmother at 39. And by that time, they had already had their children. Mm -hmm. And so um, Enriqueta, who we call Queta, she was 18. And then there was Eugenio, Mm -hmm. he was 16. Luciana was 14. And your grandmother, Martina, was 12. Wow. (laughs) And then there's somebody here, uh, Candidita, so I'm going to assume that's Connie. Connie. She uh-huh. was 11, and Juana was 8. Jose, mm-hmm. you, that's Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. Uh, that's Charlie's dad, right? Mm-hmm. And then my dad called him Chaneke. And for the <laughs> longest time, that's how my dad called him. So I didn't know that his name was Jose because yeah. I had always heard them call him Chaneke. <laughs> and I don't know where that came from, but I guess that must have just been a nickname from uh-huh. from when he was younger. And then Epimenio. Epimenio. He was Lucio. 5, and that he was Epi. Epi. And he worked for Sears, right? Mm-hmm. And then Benita was two. But I didn't see Ruth here, so is is Juana Ruth or is... is and it goes uh, Ruth, Mary Helen, and Anita. Okay. Oh, see, yeah. So they must have not been, been born. born. Yeah. Wow. So Ruth, Mary Helen, and Anita. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, so there we have that. So wow. that's, that's in a nutshell, your so family. The, but that was from the 1940 census. Uh-huh. Now, that was the last census that we've had released uh, with the, the latest. Mm-hmm. But you can go back and find information. But uh, uh, it's always interesting, the, the nicknames and the names. You yeah. know, you're, you're sitting here, man, I haven't heard that for a while. Yeah. And so they've been there for quite some time. So if we, almost 100 years. So from almost, 1920 yes. to yeah. Yeah, 100 years. And when they um, lived on that land, um, my grandmother lived in the first house, which is the house Anita lives oh. in now. Um, and she lived there with all the kids. And he lived in the second house. It was a smaller house behind the main house is what they called it. And that's where he lived. Um, and then um, Benita 
took ownership of that house. So, and then from there, we had Epimenuel uh, built his house back there, and then my Uncle Joe built at the very back. So, yeah, so look at that five, was it four, four children living in, mm -hmm. in that area? And they built dealing with the floods. They knew the oh, floods. Yeah. You know, that was just a regular occurrence. And yeah. I know the, the back, you know, it's abandoned now, but, uh, you know, it's got that built way up on the stilts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It would flood pretty often. Um, now that they've done some, um, like, some upgrades in that area, you know, it doesn't flood as bad. But back when, it would flood. Well, and the dam, you know, wasn't uh -huh. built until uh, late 1970s, early 1980s for the flood control dams. So, you know, that was, you know, up until that point, that was just a regular occurrence mm -hmm. that we had here in town. Yeah, and one year, I, in the 19s, I can't remember if it was one of the floods, 70, 72, uh, Don Wichito's house uh, got taken in the flood. And so uh -huh, we, and we it went floating down. It went down. floating down, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, so we'll talk about him. This Contreras was, was his last name. Yeah, but it took his house. His house was one that's on the corner there on Dixon Street, I guess, mm -hmm. the very first house on Dixon. So his house was sitting and it floated away. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so let's let's get now to the talk of Fiesta. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know um, when Fiesta or Jamaica, the words got interchanged because people call it the Jamaica and you know that what you know what people are talking about, but they also refer to it as Fiesta. So I, I've always called it Fiesta, but I'd say, do you want to buy a Jamaica ticket? So it, the, the words are interchangeable. So uh, for me here, I'm calling it the fiesta. Okay. So we're going to talk So about what is Jaimeca? What would that a translate? Fiesta. It's a fiesta. <laughs> it's just fiesta. But I mean, you know, but here me as a gringo, I'm thinking yeah. fiesta is fiesta. What, you know, it, it's. I, I don't know how, like Kathy mentioned, how it got um, intertwined. But when I grew up, as a little girl, I was always told Hamica, and even now I'll reference Hamica. I'll say Hamica. My mom says Hamica, um, but now it's Fiesta. So yeah. who knows? Who knows when it changes? So Hamica is a Fiesta. It's a party. Let's it's a get party. It that way. Okay. <laughs> so uh, this year, uh, the the church is going to celebrate um, 75 years of Fiesta or Hamica, and I'm going to read a little uh, a little bit here from a paragraph from the uh, program that was put out in, nine, in uh, 2013 and it says on September the 5th uh, 1948 Father Richard Trevino held the first celebration at St. John's Parish. His aim was to unite the efforts of all the groups and ministries to create unity in the parish and collect funds for the support of the same. The fiesta is celebrated in honor of our patron Saint John the Evangelist which is on December the 27th, but in our parish, we celebrate our festival in the, in the summer. So the Hamaica traditionally is held on the, on the Labor Day weekend. So this year uh, is held on Saturday and Sunday, the second and the third. So if you uh, need something to do for that weekend, head mm -hmm. out to the Hamaica and purchase a delicious burger or a gordita or a chalupa. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so that that's the start of of the uh, of the of the fiesta, and uh, the nowadays the fiesta is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, fundraiser for the church. But also, 1948, they established the the queen competition, and so um, normally the competition um, involves three young ladies, one running. Um, 
uh, well, they're going to raise funds, and I think it's a what three month term, three three month three term, to four months it just to depends. be able to raise the <clears> funds. And so, at the end of the uh, set time limit, whoever has raised the the most funds uh, gets crowned the uh, Fiesta Queen, and so whoever comes in second gets the term of the princess, and then the third place is the Duchess. Mm. And so the majority of the young ladies are between the ages of 15 and, and, and 17. And back then they had uh, sponsors kind of sort of like what they do today. So the majority of the sponsors came from the organizations within the church. And so some of the sponsors were uh, called the Santo Nombre. And I believe that was a, a men's organization. And the Cruciistas, the Knights of Columbus, the Guadalupanas, and the Achicrofradias who are so lovely called the Archies. Mm -hmm. And so the the KCs and the Guadalupanas and the Achico Fradias are still organizations that, that we still have in the church today. So um, I think um, we'd like to also recognize uh, our first Fiesta Queen. Her name was Beatriz Silvera, uh, and she later on became Pacheco. And um, she was my mother's oldest sister, and I knew her as Aunt Beatrice, or she was my Tia B. So she was the first Fiesta Queen acknowledged by the church in 1948. But um, I asked Krista to come because I want her to talk about her family tradition. And, um, you know, when we talk about Fiesta Queens, um, for, for whatever reason, the tradition of Fiesta Queen for the church also became tradition for Fiesta Queens within the families. And Krista's family has um, the honor of having the most queens uh, for our parish. So I'm going to let her talk a little bit about her family's queens. So we have, um, in the Lucio family, we have a total of nine. Um, we have Enriqueta Lucio Espinosa, and she was a queen. I'm not sure the year, um, Kathy and I were t talking about this earlier, um, because it, in 1942 is when they started documenting um, the queens, but we, I, I talked to her son Mario, and we, we he said it had to have been like in 1940s, but we don't know exactly when it was. So maybe those church records are lost. Mm -hmm. And then we have Anita Lucio Cuevas. She was in 1964. Uh, my mother, uh, Marta Gomez Salas, was in 1970. Uh, Teresa Lucio Tovar. She was in 1974. Um, Silvia Ramos Gomez, she was in 1975. Uh, Gloria Espinosa, she was in 1976. My daughter, Alexandria Flores, was in 2013. Um, Jenica Flores, my other daughter, was in 2015. And my youngest daughter, Yesenia Flores, was in 2016. So I think for, for those people that uh, participate in the Queen um, competitions or those that help uh, really know the type of work that goes into this. So tell us a little bit about the work that you yourself did having having three queens and the experiences that you have, uh, both good and and maybe some negative things. <laughs> um, so, so tell us a little bit about your experiences. So um, with the girls specifically, I started in 2013. They had, they had a break from 1990 to 2013. Um, Alex ran that was the year that they had a very nice celebration where they brought all the prior queens back. So there was back. no no queen no queens from 1990 to 2000. Well, 1990 was the last year. Okay. And then it, they took a break, and then in 2013, um, that's when Alex was crowned. 
Um, but the way it came about is my uncle Gilbert had heard in the church that they were talking about, Father Victor at the time was the priest, about having a uh, queen candidates. So he approached my mother and I uh, to see if we would allow Alex to run. Um, I was very, very hesitant at first um, because I knew it was going to be a huge job. Um, the commitment. And yeah. the commitment and the stress because it's a family tradition, right? I had to get to that point. I had to make my daughter a queen. Um, but I prayed a lot on it. Um, I, you know, like I said, I also realized our family tradition, um, how my mother wanted the girls to follow in her footsteps. I was not able to run as a queen, like I said, because in 1990 was the last year. Um, but I made the decision to let the journey begin for us. And, um, you know, with each each one of the girls, the experience was totally different. Um, it, it was a, a lot of hard work. I would go to work. I would come home. I would prep for our weekend events. A weekend was not... Um, Every time there was a weekend, we had an event planned. Uh, planned. It was nothing. It was nonstop, constantly. Um, the money to host the events that was all paid for by family and friends of ours. Um, I was either seeking donations, collecting donations, creating signs, buying product um, needed for the event, advertising. I mean, it was nonstop. I know when um, Yesenia ran, even her quinceanera, I had a weekend of her quinceanera. Well, you know what? I did a raffle at the quinceanera because I needed to make money that weekend. I could not lose a weekend. Well, so what kind of events were the, I mean, what kind of things did you do? You talked about the raffle. Yeah, so there was raffles, there was bingos. Um, the bingos we just loved. Um, food plate sales. Food plate sales. Um, you name it. It was all kinds of stuff. I mean, we would have breakfast sales at the church. Uh, we would set up after mass and have a bake sale. Uh, we would sell raffle tickets for the church, um, and the girls would get credit for that. So it was it was just about anything that that was legal, right, to raise money. So <laughs> so so at that point, did did the girls have a sponsor or were the so at, family just a yes? Sponsor? So at that point, the girls and even now when they're running. Uh, the organizations um, don't sponsor, so it's really the family that's um, doing all of it. Um, so that has changed a, a It has bit, yeah. changed, yeah. I know Immaculate Heart of Mary in Martindale, they have queens as well, and they have their organization sponsor a queen. Um, but now, uh, when the girls ran, we didn't have um, sponsorships. But, um, you know during this time like i said it was very stressful um i have to give a lot of props to my husband because he was my backbone during this time um he he was a lot of the labor behind it all um our children would take part in each event it didn't matter who was running they it was just a family, family. event um my parents my aunt bonita my uncle gilbert my aunt sylvia they also played a huge part they were one of the ones that was there at every single event we hosted um, one of the rules that was provided to us when the girls first started competing was that it wasn't a competition, right? But to tell you the truth, I was my own competitor. Um, as I said earlier, I knew I had to work hard to earn that money for my daughter uh, to get this title because it was a Lucille tradition. So um, when Alex was crowned, um, it was very special. My mother crowned her. My Aunt Sylvia, my Aunt Anita, my cousin Terry, they all took part of her coronation. It was just a beautiful moment um, to see um, at that time. 
I waited a few years and then it was Jenica's turn. But when she ran, this term was a challenge. Um, it was really a big challenge for me. Um, the uh, support we received from the Catholic community with Alex, when Alex ran, it, it just wasn't the same when Jenica ran. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what you had mentioned, you know, there's, there's some good times and there's some bad times with it, right? So do we, do we need to take a break or? Uh, keep going. I just, okay. well, let's finish up this section. So, and we'll um, you know, uh, stories, you know, from when my Aunt Benita would tell me um, when Terry was running is that you would face challenges, you know, and that was it. when Jenica ran, it definitely was a challenge. Um, but the more activity I would experience, it felt like fuel. Um, it was just, uh, it made, it was the harder the more negative I got, the harder that I would work. Um, during this time, I cried a lot uh, when Jenica ran. I said, cried several tears. Um, but one thing that I will always remember is there was one night I was laying in bed and I had just experienced some negativity. Um, and I could see I was dreaming, but I didn't know what I was dreaming about. And um, my grandmother, Martina Gomez, um, she came to me in my dreams and my eyes were closed and I remember, you know, she kept telling me con la favor de Dios and with God's with God's favor. Favor, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I would open my eyes because it was so um vivid that she was there and I'd open my eyes and she wasn't there. I'd close them again and she was there coming towards me saying the same thing. But but your grandma was very spiritual lady. She was so very no. spiritual, very, very spiritual. And so that morning, um, I mean, it was so surreal that I just began crying and praying, and I asked her to guide me, um, to guide me into helping me um, overcome what I was experiencing. So her, her, with her guidance, I worked um, harder and harder. I woke up the next morning. The the engine behind me was like no other, which is why Jenica raised the highest amount out of all the girls. Um, and then the decision right after was for Yesenia to come in um, because I was like, I'm already here, let's just go for it. You know, I don't need no more breaks because <laughs> there was a break between Alex and Jenica. But what made it so special with Yesenia also is that Jenica was able to crown Yesenia. Oh, wow. So, so and I think sometimes uh, we, t we tend to forget, I think especially for the adults, sometimes that that aspect of winning takes over and so we tend to forget uh what the the real purpose is mm -hmm. of raising funds for the church because then it becomes just about oh i gotta yeah. win we gotta win and we that's gotta the first. thing is uh even when i was a little girl that's mm -hmm. all my family did even mm -hmm. talking to my aunts you know back then they always did for the for the church, church. they mm -hmm. always always did for the church and so it was i mean it was just a given you know and every time I called on my family's um, hand to help me. They just joined in, and they just, whatever I needed, they did it, so. Well, it's always good to have that type of support, so. Mm -hmm. Let's take a quick station ID break, then we can come back and we can talk about how much money they raised, okay? If And uh, we'll uh, take a quick uh, break, and you're listening to KCSM.org, True Community Radio, and this is Raesis here on uh, Sunday night, every Sunday night from 7 till 8 o'clock. We'll be right back with you. ¿Recuerdas la última vez que tu familia visitó el bosque? Es un lugar de maravilla e imaginación para toda la familia, donde las historias cobran vida y está más cerca de lo que crees. ¿Listo para planear tu próxima visita? Haz que el bosque forme parte de tu historia hoy 
en un parque local cerca de ti o encuentra uno en descubreelbosque.org, traído a ti por el Servicio Forestal de los Estados Unidos y el Ad Council. What would you do if floods, freezes, tornadoes, hurricanes, or fires hit San Marcos? Do you feel 100% prepared for any of them? Could you help your neighbors until first responders arrived if there was an emergency or weather-related incident? Well, it's better to be safe than sorry, right? On Saturday, September 10th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Hayes CISD Performing Arts Center in Kyle, the Hayes County Office of Emergency Services will host the fifth annual emergency preparedness fair. Understand the county's emergency alert system, learn how to make a preparedness kit, and hear from experts about how to be ready to face almost any emergency. September 10th at the fifth annual emergency preparedness fair in Kyle. Tune in to Texas River Tonk every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. We play music from our favorite country artists and let you know how to catch them live. We'll also have musicians in studio talking about their work and playing on air. So come join the party with Texas River Tonk Fridays, noon to 2, on kzsm.org, True Community Radio. And hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, at Texas River Tonk. That's at TX River Tonk. Ladies and gentlemen, y toda mi gente, my name is Josh, also known as DJ Alpha in the mix, and I am the host of the all-new Latin Energy Show on KZSM.org San Marcos. I'm inviting everyone to tune in every Thursday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. and join the Latin Energy Party. It's all about community connection here, so tune in, support, and we'll see you on KZSM.org. It is all about that community support. We're kind of having our own Latin party here uh, in the uh, studio today. And uh, we're talking Fiesta Queens. And just a shout out to all the folks listening all around the state out there. Folks over in Houston. Folks over in uh, uh, San Antonio. Up in Dallas. Palatine, uh, Texas. And uh, just uh, all, all places in between. Uh, so uh, thanks for tuning in and uh, supporting Community Radio here in uh, uh, San Marcos, Texas. So I wanted to ask you this question about the funds raised. So with Nine Queens, you have to assume that you have all raised a pretty penny and turned that money into the church. So do you have an idea how much money that you all have raised with your Nine Queens? Or do you, do you have a figure just for your own kids? Or? I have it figured just for my kids. Um, when I did talk to um, my family, they would had indicated they would raise anywhere from five thousand to eight thousand, and that was a lot of money um, during that time when they were raising. But um, for my girl specifically, um, Alex, she raised a total of sixteen thousand eight hundred eighty-two dollars and sixty cents. Um, Jenica raised. That's the one I said raised the most. She was at twenty-six thousand six hundred eighty-three dollars and forty-five cents. Yesenia was at $20,363.70. So just in my three girls alone, that was $63,929.15. So that was a lot of work. And all of it got turned over to the church. It's so funny because I have people say, you actually turned all that money to the church? Yes, sure. I turned it over to the church. Well, that, that was the whole point. Well, and I, I think that's too. The, the church has an honor system uh -huh. where they don't... Um, 
basically say, you know, this and keep keep an eye. They expect you that you're going to raise this money and that you're going to turn in every single penny that, that you make. And so I think when you look at Jenica, $26,000, $26, that's money that the church didn't put any money out for. There, that's you raising, using your own money, using mm -hmm. the donations and turning that in. And sometimes the church wouldn't even make that much money in the fiesta yeah. that they would have because they would buy a lot of the product. And so sometimes you'd, you'd look at these things and you'd say, oh, well, the church made, you know, $50,000 in this um, uh, fiesta, fiesta deal, but $26,000 of that is coming from the it's queens. queens. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, 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 it has proven to be a good, a good fundraiser, fundraiser for the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think at this point, let's go ahead. Is there anything else that, that you want to say or any, any memory? I know uh, Benita probably has uh, stories to tell. Was there any story that Benita told you that you'd like to share? Uh, <laughs> Benita always had a, a, a laugh. She had a, a joyful laugh. Um, she, like I said, she was at all of our events. She, we would t say that she was our marketing and P what, her PR, right? Because she just loved to talk to everybody. Um, but, you know, she, she would always talk about the, the hard work. You know, it was always a struggle, but there was a purpose for that struggle. And so you pushed through what you needed to get done. Um, the most the most the best part of it is was that the when we worked a booth at the fiesta so all my family my family my husband's family some friends they all came in to help um we would laugh we would um we would dance around just listen to music you know it was it was just it was it was a big event you know and that's when we were we were exhausted but we were still laughing and having fun and just carrying on like of nothing you know mm -hmm. Um, I'll tell you a quick story of a cousin of mine um, that I treasured his uh, friendship a lot was uh, Michael Ray Gonzalez mm -hmm. and, and he passed, he he passed, passed uh -huh. and one of the funniest stories and I mentioned it at his uh, funeral was that um, his he would bring his mother you know every time I called him he was right there for me and he would bring his mother and the ladies the sisters you know Connie Ruth uh, Benita they would all sit at the back of the table we gave them stuff to do but they were just in the cheese may you know they were just back there talking in it the up. gossip <laughs> yes and so we um, you know we were laughing at him that year because he needed an apron and his mother had brought him an apron well this is like a, a almost six foot man you know 250 260 pounds and his mama gives him an apron that's a red with pink hearts on it barely fit him but he put it on with pride and he started making those funnel cakes because that's what we would do were the funnel cakes so um it's just stories like that you know that we would have and that we would laugh on and and just enjoy you know you just treasure them but uh, i wanted to ask about your grandmother because your grandmother had a a very um she she worked there at the cleaners with your with your grandfather but she was also as I mentioned earlier, um, very devoted to her to her church. Very devoted. And um, your grandmother had, and I, and I don't I don't know how to say this. She was a very serious person. She wore mm -hmm. a serious face a lot of the time, and she I remember her working over at the Cuatemo because she yeah. would volunteer there and at the church. The bingos and. But 
at times when I would talk to your grandmother, there was a much softer side to her. And she had a very beautiful, a very beautiful smile. And I think about Epi Menu, who was forever telling me a joke and trying to get me to laugh. Yeah. And Benito. <laughs> and, and Connie. Um, the three of them had just these larger than, than life personalities. But when your grandmother was with them, what was her personality like? So she was very, um, she was very quiet. She didn't show emotion, you know, um, but she worked hard every day. You know, when her and my grandfather, um, when they married, um, she would help the siblings, right? You know, Benita, uh, Terry, Anita, they would always say, you know, how when, you know, Benita couldn't provide this for Terry, my grandmother would go and buy it, you know, and that's just who she was. She was a very, very given um, person. Um, she, she held her generosity. I mean, it was just, I just couldn't believe it. She just helped so many people. Uh, there would be people coming into the um, cleaners and, you know, and just in conversation, they weren't coming and asking for anything. You know, she would just say, you know, how, how's it going? How's your day? And um, it was, you know, oh, maybe they were struggling that day. She either offered prayer, she, um, or she helped them financially, you know, and, but you never heard of that. Um, I always say, I always tell my mom, she was a silent, and even my mother's the same way. They're silent givers. They don't show, um, they don't show how much they've given, but they do give, you know, and it's, it's not one thing, um, what it, I guess you could say like brag about right yeah, that that's that's my dad would say that there's two different kinds of people the people that will give you stuff and tell everybody mm -hmm. and the people that will give you stuff and not say anything yeah so you know they fall into that into that category yes yeah. and and it's it a lot of a lot of what I have done um, because I remember you know like my grandmother actually ran a hamburger booth way back in the day uh, for Fiesta and you know of course me coming up and doing stuff in Fiesta and so forth um, and everything that I do to try to help people, cause you know, we'll do the same. We, you know, might not be financially, but maybe somebody will call and say, Hey, we need help moving this or building this. And there we are, you know, and I'll get peop my family to come in and help. Um, but many times uh, I'm told that you're following in your grandmother's footsteps, oh, you wow. know, and to me, that is just an honor to hear. I, I, I don't expect to hear it, but I love to hear it. It's a good compliment. It does. You, you, you know, you get those goosebumps when they say that, yes. uh, isn't it? And yes. it's like, yes, it's a tradition. It's that family. It's the, the genes are passed mm -hmm. along, but it's also, it's almost channeling that back. You know, yes. you, you get that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Do we need to go to a station break? Um, yeah, let's go on ahead. We'll skip the break. Go on ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm so gonna to skip it. We're going to go ahead and, and uh, honor the Fiesta Queens, and Chris is going to read off the list and the names by year for all our queens. Okay, so 1948, Beatrice Severa Pacheco. 1949, Sulema Ivara. 1950, Mary Gaitan. 1951, Delia Rodriguez, 1952, Rosita Ornal Ornelas. Ornelas, got tongue twisted. 1953, Dora Garza Rodriguez, 1954, Dora Vandura. Vandura. 1955, Camela Cervantes Hernandez. 1956, Badelia Esquivel Arredondo. 1957, Delia Severa Serrano. 
1958, Eva Chapa, 1959, Dora Camacho Mendez, 1960, Marta Rajos, Rayos. Rayos, 1961, Mary Esquivel Barnhart, 1962, Ana Contreras Gill, uh, 1964, Anita Lucio Cuevas, 1967, Melba Jean Vasquez, 1968, Gloria Contreras Juarez, 1969, Silvia Espinosa, 1970, Marta Gomez Salas, 1971, Mary Jane Chapins, 1972, Rosina Ruiz Valle, 1973, Julie Torres Gomez, 1974, Terry Lucio Tovar, 1975, Silvia Ramos Gomez, 1976, Gloria Espinosa, 1977, Elizabeth Sierra, 1978, Melba Sierra uh, Romero, 1979, Berta Rutia Galasos, 1980, Catalina Severa Lara, that's you, Kathy, <laughs> 1981, Sonia Sanchez Mendez, 1982, Carol Vargas Garcia, 1983, Mary Jane Lombardo, 1984, Nora Castillo, 1985, Laura Hernandez, 1986, Rebecca Garza Mancenares, 1987, Veronica Muskis, 1988, Maribel Castillo Enriquez, uh, 1989, Angela Mendoza Hernandez, and 1990, uh, Victoria Tori Mendoza. And then it picked back up in 2013, and then your daughters. My had, daughters uh, are the three. Yeah. Um, and then there was another break, and this year they have several uh, queen candidates. So we'll see who the next one. So what was the, the break between 1990 and when did they start that? Uh, 2013. So um, I'm not sure exactly what happened during that time um, that it was decided that, you know, 1991 a queen was not going to run. But... Um, 1990 was the year, the last year until it picked up again in, in 2013. Well, mm -hmm. it's a lot of hard work, and I know at one time they had a coordinator, but sometimes you've got these A personality people that it just makes it really hard for some coordinators. You kind of leave there wanting to yeah. pull your hair, your hair. And I will say that when the girls ran, we had two coordinators that helped us out. One was Nancy Ivara, um, and then um, Blanca Tristan, and they really really helped us get through you know they took an understanding of what we were going through um and um their the support they provided was was so appreciative well don't you think it's important that we have these traditions now that your girls can go back and you can talk about you know your grandmothers your tias you know all these folks that hey you've got something in common now can this get passed down to the future can we keep these things going and can we keep these alive you know with the the catholic church here in the community and mm -hmm. that's the big question yeah that's what i tell my girls all the time it's like you have um you like just as an example when i'm at home making tamales i always tell them y'all need to come and y'all need to learn, learn because one day you're gonna have to teach your children. And it's the same thing with you know the fiestas. I appreciate the girls allowing me to put them in, in to run for queen because 
it took a lot of them too, you know, and they were there, like I said, if it doesn't matter who was running at the time, they were there to support each other. They were there at all the fiestas to help. Um, and they were committed, you know, and they learned a lot. I mean, they learned how to talk in front of people. They learned how to organize events. They learned how, you know, I mean, how to set up for, you know, how to cook, how to set up stuff, you know. So it wasn't just, you know, they were learning to raise funds for their church, but they were also taking something that they could use in their future for their, you know, And it is that empowerment of Mm -hmm. the youth that, hey, look, you can raise $26,000. Yeah. You know, it's it's not beyond, you know, how do I do this? You know, and and I think that is the uh, amazing gift that you've been able to give your children, you know, your daughters. And then I had the opportunity to talk to two of the Fiesta Queens, and so they send in uh, a little um, information on what it was for them when they ran for queen. And so I'd like to read, read those things. And so the first one comes from the Fiesta Queen of 1961, and her name is Ma- uh, Maria Esquivel bon- Barnhart. And she says that her sponsors were the Achico Fradilla, and she remembers the ladies cooking the food for the bingo fundraisers held at, at church. She said that they were hard making tamales and sold them at church um, after Sunday masses. Mm. She said it was a lot of hard work and she remembers that she sewed her own queen's dress and applied every single sequence and wore a velvet cape with her dress. Uh, She wanted us uh, to mention that her father was a member of the Santo Nombre Society and that was a men's organization at church and her mother was an Archie and sang in the choir and was the cook when Father Luna was the first, was in his first residency at St. John's. And uh, the second one uh, is from the Fiesta Queen of 1973, Julie Torres Gomez. And she said that she had uh, an exciting experience and she also was sponsored by the Archies. She was 16 years old and had um, her parents, Tirso and Olivia Torres, who were her first supporters along with her family. Uh, The fundraisers included bingos and they sold hamburgers and tacos and chalupas and baked goods. They also had a dance featuring Alfonso Ramos. Uh, In the summer of 1973, they raised $6,313 for the church. Um, She wanted us to know that her queen's dress was actually a wedding dress that they turned into a ball gown dress. She said that Licha Polanco uh, was the president of the Achico Fredias and that she did all the sequence work and, and applied everything to the, to the wedding dress. And so uh, she also wanted me to note that uh, Mrs. Polanco passed this year. Mm-hmm. And so we appreciate and applaud her service to, to Saint, the St. John's community. Uh, and in speaking to Julie, um, I also want to note in the conversation that we had that we also talked about the other young ladies that work just as hard to raise money who don't get the honor of being called the queen, uh, but their service and work is just as important because they also raise a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of funds for the church. So the person who gets to wear the queen tile is basically the, the face for that year, and the other, the other young girls basically, you know, they don't really get mentioned, but she wanted me to say that. That, that their work was just as important. And she wanted me to acknowledge the other young ladies who made up the 1973 court. 
uh, and they were uh, the princess was Ophelia Cervantes, and the duchess was uh, Nelda de Leon. And I should note that the church provided the capes, and so the queen got to wear the red cape, and I think at that time it had like a little silver threads in it. Mm -hmm. And then the princess wore the blue cape that had the silver thread in it, and then the duchess, the duchess wore the green, green one with mm -hmm. a little bit of gold in it. So that was provided by the church, and then you had to provide your own your own ball gown, however you got it, whether you made it or you rented it. And under the year that I that I was queen, we went down to San Antonio. I think it was next to Amos. There was a costume shop because they catered to the fiestas, and I rented a a, a ball Dress. gown. And so yeah, so that that was a, a little bit uh, unexpected for myself because I had to get all fancy and I didn't like to dress up. <laughs> and you know that's funny that Julie mentions um, a wedding dress. So the dress that Alex wore was my sister's wedding dress. Oh wow! And uh, the Jenica, we bought her a white dress, and then um, Yesenia wore her quinceanera dress. Oh wow! So, yeah. yeah. So. Um, I have posted a photo of the dress that Julie um, wore on my Facebook page, but we're going to upload it onto the Raices page. So if you want to go down and see um, Julie's dress, visit us at our um, uh, KZSM. Well, Raices. it's uh, Raices on uh, Facebook. Face on Facebook. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, Krista, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's just been yeah. a lovely conversation. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to having you and Gilbert here on the yes, show we'll sometime in September. Yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Kathy, what do we got coming up next week? So, we don't have a show booked for next week yet. Um, the Hernandez's, the Rodriguez's, I'm sorry, are going to come talk to us. But they've been a little under the weather. They've had COVID, and so they're just getting back to their normal selves so we'll probably do a music show next week okay but as i said tia rach is coming back yes so we're going to have a, a show on sunday the 11th and we're going to talk all things um yes you say this and food ah so looking forward to that yeah. one and, and then of course we're going to have uh, krista uh, back and we've got uh, two other shows that we've already booked so yeah. i'm so just trying to find stay tuned folks out there across the country thanks for tuning in and uh Again, uh, thanks for all the folks uh, across the state of Texas and uh, some folks in Brooklyn that are tuned in. Uh, and uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. KZSM.org, True Community Radio, and uh, we're going to be uh, coming back at you next week. And uh, this is it for Riasis tonight. And uh, Rob Burke with you here. And uh, we've got coming up in just a few minutes uh, Radio Theater tonight uh, with you. We've got some encores on and then... Uh, uh, we'll be back again next week. Thank you very much for tuning in. KZSM.org, True Community Radio, San Marcos, Texas. Thank you.